In a world where a man loves movies and loves lists and keeps a list of his 100 favorite movies for over 30 years, what if he made his wife watch those movies in order? And what if he made her talk about it on a podcast? Would she like them? Would she hate them? Can this marriage possibly survive this podcast? Find out what will happen in a world called Craig's List. Hey guys, it's uh, it's Craig. Welcome to another episode of Craig's List Spooky Times. Uh, I'm not quite sure where Carla is exactly. Uh, which is weird because she's usually here when we start these episodes. I mean, I know I usually open with some sort of, you know, comedy bit. Um, but Carla's usually sitting right there watching me do it. So this is weird, you know, because I want to, I want to eventually get around to doing my comedy bit. But, um, I did try to wake her up. All of the curtains in our apartment are, are totally closed. It's very, sunny day outside and i did i did try to wake her up a little bit ago and she said who dares disturb my slumber uh which was interesting um and then i I then tried to to open the window just a little bit and the sunlight came in and carla said it burns it burns (laughs) so i'm not totally sure what's going on uh okay i'm i'm moving into uh, the bedroom now i'm opening the, the the I guess the door to Carla's bed is the only way she sleeps in in this wooden crate uh right next to me. I'm in a futon uh <laughs> by the way. <laughs> Carla. Who dare disturbs my slumber? Carla, it's me, your husband Craig. We got to record our podcast. Spooky times? Yes, yes, Craigslist spooky times. Yeah, we're going to talk about vampires today. <sighs> Okay, don't hiss at me, all right? We, we, we set aside an hour to record today. I know you normally like to do this at night, but uh, this just fits my schedule better. I'm tired. <laughs> okay, you need to go back to sleep? Yeah. Okay, when do you want me to wake you up? After the sun goes down. Okay, and you need me to find a man for you to kill? Yeah. And drink his blood? Yeah. Okay. A- at very least a stray cat, right? <laughs> okay. Guys, I think I might be a familiar. I'm not <laughs> I'm not totally sure what's happening, but I think I'm I'm Carla's familiar, and I have been for years, and I'm only just realizing that after having watched three vampire movies. The bits are getting longer and longer. <laughs> these these are not bits, this is our life. <laughs> Uh, welcome to Craigslist Spooky Times, and we're going to talk about vampires oh, today. Oh, yours is so much better than mine. <laughs> Your accent is real good. I mean, that's the stereotypical vampire accent because of one guy, Bella Lugosi, right? Well, if you have vocal fry, you can't really do that accent. <laughs> I, I, I've been told by our listeners that I have vocal fry, so. Who has said that? Who has said that? One person on <laughs> iTunes. <laughs> and that's enough to, told uh. told me to shut the fuck up. <laughs> so, I'm assuming it's a he. Uh, it sounds like a he. <laughs> Definitely. I don't know that you have vocal fry. Uh, 
But I mean, you, you don't think some Hungarians have vocal fry and can't do that accent? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Is that vocal fry? <laughs> what is vocal fry exactly? Um, it's just a little more in, uh, it's slightly nasal and like, it's just a little more yeah. back in your throat a little yeah, bit. That's, that sounds like me. And there's a little more <laughs> upspeak. Yeah, I probably do that. So I'll, I'm, I'll a vamp- I'm a vampire with vocal fry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a vampire with vocal fry. Fry? <laughs> Is that upspeak? Look, I know. I need, I need to drink some blood. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. Carla, are vampires scary in the year 2020? Are they played out? We've watched so many movies so far. Well, I know we've already moved on to another category, but I want you to think back a few days ago as we were watching three vampire movies. Well, I think, like, that's... Is that vocal fry when you say, like... Uh, Don't get in your head about it. (laughs) Um, I think, like, uh, Twilight probably ruined vampires a little bit. I read Twilight. All of them. Yeah. I didn't see all the movies. because We kind of teased at the end of the last episode that we might do a Twilight movie. I was going to make you sit through one. I thought it might be funny, but I didn't really feel like watching one. <laughs> is it a little more romance forward than vampire forward? It is, but it has a lot of the same tropes as vampire. Vampires. Yeah. Any, any vampire story. Um, but it's not that I dislike Twilight. I know that people hate it and hate on it. I just, I don't know. I'm kind of like, I can go either way for it. (laughs) I guess we just got to give our props to Dracula, you know, the Bram Stoker novel and the movie with Bela Lugosi because for one category of horror with one specific type of creature, uh, I mean, that just kind of casts a big shadow over the entire genre I think. I mean, yeah. that everybody knows that stereotypical vampire voice, which is just Bela Lugosi's voice. Right. right. Well, then it's been redone and parodied so much. Yes. By us, specifically. <laughs> <laughs> and not to say Bram Stoker invented those tropes, because he, in turn, was pulling from uh, a novel called The Vampire, mm-hmm. uh, which was written, I forget the guy's name, but he was part of that same storytelling circle that Mary Shelley wrote Frankenstein. Oh yeah. In, um with uh with Shelley and, and I, Byron. Oh I know his name. I did a whole show on Mary Shelley. I know his name. It's like an Italian last name, like Pomodoro or something like that. I forget. Uh but he he came up with a vampire story at that yeah. storytelling session and then uh, I think that in turn inspired Bram Stoker, you know, at the, at the end of the nineteenth century maybe was when that when that book was written. But uh, all that stuff about stake through the heart and coffins and familiars and all that stuff. I mean, I'm, I know it's rooted in folklore, but it was kind of locked in by Dracula, which means that it feels like any vampire story from the last 40 years is postmodern in some way, like right. a little self-aware and has to deconstruct the, the genre. And it feels like the three that we watched all definitely do that in different yeah. ways. So we watched. I forget. From 1987. Oh, The Lost Boys. The Lost Boys. So these are like 80s teen punk gothy vampires. vampires you know. What else did we watch? What was the second? We one? watched A Girl Walks Home oh, Alone yeah. at Night. 
and that is described as the first Iranian uh, vampire western. Oh yeah, I can see that. Uh, I maybe. I mean, there's definitely some kind of a spaghetti western, yeah, yeah, you know, music and mood mm-hmm, in it. Mm-hmm. And we watch what we do in the shadows, yes. the movie, not the TV show, right? Uh, which is definitely a mockumentary about a bunch of different types of vampires living in one house together, and werewolves like Twilight. They're also werewolves, yeah. So they're all kind of in different ways deconstructions of the genre, right? I mean, Lost Boys, um, the Corys, mm-hmm. uh, are, are literally referencing a comic book about how to kill vampires. Okay. You yeah. know, so vampires are out there in culture already in, in that movie. Yeah. Uh, but none of these movies are necessarily all that scary. Uh, correct. Which was why I think I liked them the most out of everything we've watched. This was your favorite genre so far? I think so, which is surprising because it was the one that I wasn't really looking forward to. But we had also, we switched out what we were going to watch at the last minute for a couple of them. What were we going to do? We were going to do Interview with a Vampire, which I'm kind of just curious to rewatch. I've not seen in years. Yeah, I haven't seen it since I was a kid. So we were going to do that just to rewatch it. But then like... I just couldn't get excited about it for some reason. Yeah. I also don't remember that being scary. I remember it being good. Yeah. And I really like, I read the book and the vampire Lestat when I was in uh, high school and mm-hmm. liked them a lot yeah. and was, was excited to see the movie. And I remember it delivering. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I just couldn't, I don't know. Like we, what we're doing is we basically have a list of six or seven movies and then, then the day of we're deciding what we're in the mood for. <laughs> Carla is deciding what Carla's she's in the mood for. Carla's deciding what she can watch or can't watch. <laughs> Carla's mood is really dictating a, a lot of, of well, what Well, today's we're the 15th, so... We've watched 14 movies so far. We really hit a wall yesterday. I really hit a wall yesterday. For the first time, we skipped a movie, but then we got it in this morning. Yeah, we got up early and watched a scary movie this morning. Okay, but we'll talk about that next time. Yeah, so we can What's watch a, a, a light movie tonight. So I we're back on schedule. I also wanted to see Blade, which maybe we'll go back and watch just because I've never seen that. And I thought that might be fun to see like a comic book vampire movie. Yeah. Um, I have never seen Blade. Yeah. Any Blade. A few people recommended that to me. Um so anyways, and then there was uh, Let the Right One In, which we both seen and really like, but Yes. Little more of a little more of a drama with vampire motifs yeah. in it. But I think there's some really scary and creepy stuff in there. But yeah. it, it's mostly a, a drama that you just kinda really and it's buy sad, into. So I was like, I don't feel like being sad. So that's why we didn't watch that one. <laughs> gotcha. Um but Lost Boys seem to have Bring back some memories from the 80s for you. Yes. So I haven't seen this since I was probably a teenager. Is that true? I think I might have caught part of it recently, maybe in the last 10 years on TV. But anyways, um, yeah, so I watched this a lot when I was a kid. I was real into the Corys. Like the Corys were in my wheelhouse of like heartthrobs, teen heartthrobs when I was a kid. They're like maybe six or seven years older than me. Is that true? I'm going to say they're 15 or 16 in this movie, maybe. So, yeah, they're more like... So I was probably seven or eight when this came out. Yeah. Okay, so maybe they're... I don't know. Whatever yeah. the math is. There. Yeah, yeah. Do the math. But um, I always loved Corey Feldman especially, um, but I thought Corey Haim was super cute. So I remember watching it, and my most of my memories of this film are from the Corys. I totally forgot that What's-His-Face is the older brother. 
I've already forgotten. Jason Patrick. Jason Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> you are Corey centric. Yeah, I I completely forgot about his whole storyline, which is just kind of the main. Story. He's kind of the main character of the movie. I totally remember Kiefer Sutherland in this, though. Uh-huh. Michael. Yes, and I totally remember Diane Weist because she was also she was like the mom in a lot of stuff around that time, like Parenthood. And sure, she's everybody's mom. She's, she's America's mom. mom. Um. And I remembered uh, Herman. What's his name? Edward Herman? Yeah, yeah. Edward Herman is Max, who is mom's suitor and maybe more. Because he's great. He's in a lot of fun 80s movies, too. Oh, sure. I mean, he's a great actor. Gilmore Girls. Yeah. He's FDR and Annie. Right. Right. (laughs) R.I.P. He passed away. He did a couple years ago. Yeah. Uh, so I remember all of them had no memory of the grandfather character. Which is crazy because, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the grandpa is definitely a supporting character, but it's his house. It's spoilers. We're going to do spoilers. We well, it, yeah, we're going to spoil the shit out of the Lost Boys, definitely. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's his house. He saves the day. Yeah. And he has the memorable last line of the movie. I know. <laughs> and I don't, I don't, didn't remember him at all. And I really enjoy him too. So I yeah. don't know. But I think I was just like focused on Corey, the Corys. <laughs> so I probably wasn't as young as seven when I saw this. Maybe I was like nine or 10 when I finally saw this. Uh-huh. And I remember thinking it was scary. Like it was definitely one that we watched at sleepovers and we were like, it's scary. Yeah. I'd say it's like scary adjacent. Yeah. You know, particularly if you're a kid. Right. It's I mean, it's a rated R movie. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're not talking about PG thirteen. I watched rated R movies all the time when I was young. But we're we're constantly learning <laughs> that seven and eight year old Carla was watching movies that were way inappropriate yeah. for her. Coming to America was like always on in my house, and that is the dirtiest. <laughs> a lot of boobs. A lot of boobs. A lot of f bombs. Um. Anyways, I didn't remember a lot of this, and the stuff that I did remember, I still enjoyed. There was a moment where I was like, "Oh, this isn't very good." Uh, sorry, Craig. And then I don't know exactly. It turned a corner for you. It turned a real. I think when they stopped focusing just entirely on Jason Patrick's character, and it became more about trying to find the head vampire. Basically, from that moment on, it's nothing but pure fun. <laughs> I think it might be the. In terms of like rewatchability and enjoyment level, I think so far out of all of the films we've watched, this was the most entertaining for me. Well, the Craig's listeners may be shocked to to find this out, but I lived through the 1980s. Uh, I mean, I'm an 80s kid. If you know from my list, I have more 80s movies than any other decade on my top 100, which is weird because it's, you know. They're all serious ones, though. They Well, I mean, there's a Poltergeist. There's a, yeah, yeah, you right, know, right. This is Spinal Tap you're right, you're on, right, you're right. on there. You're right. You're right. I know you're right. <laughs> uh, also an 80s movie. Yeah. I, I had never seen The Lost Boys. Which is crazy. I had never seen The Lost Boys. And I don't know that I'd ever seen a Corey Haim movie, to be honest with you. Really? I think, I think he's in Murphy's Romance, uh, uh like as a kid in that. So I think I've, I've never seen a front and center Corey Haim movie. I had never seen License to Drive or Dream say. a Little Dream. Yeah. Um, Lucas, I've n- never seen that. What else did he do? I mean, License to Drive was the big one for me. I remember watching that a lot. And I know Corey Feldman from a lot of movies. Yeah, he was in everything. 
He was in Stand by Me. And yeah. Goonies. I knew him mostly from Goonies. I think the weird thing the about The Burbs. Oh, which is one we should totally watch. Sorry, go ahead. I've never seen The Burbs. Oh, that could be really fun. There's a weird uh, kind of genre blending and kind of un- when I, I when I said it's a rated R movie, there's also a lot of it that feels like a PG-13 or PG movie for kids yeah. at the time. You well, know, that's an 80s movie for you. That is an 80s movie because yeah, it's definitely uh, – it's edgier than you would think mm-hmm. uh, and more graphic than you would think. But then also there's a Goonies aspect of it too right. with these teen kids like trying to trying to hunt down the vampires. So the earlier version of it was going to be directed by Richard Donner who directed the Goonies. Oh. And I think – did did Bo Welch do the production design for the Goonies as well? I don't remember. Because definitely the vampire's lair could looks like it could be straight out of the Goonies, right? right. It's a yeah. similar like cave system, yeah, yeah. you know, thing. Mm-hmm. They're shooting on the California coast in Santa Cruz as opposed to the Oregon coast, but you know, it's it's a similar vibe. And the original script was much more centered around the Corey Haim character and his buddies Edgar and Alan Frog. Uh, from, from, from the comic book shop. And so it was supposed to be a PG-13 movies a la Goonies for kids. Joel Schumacher, who was coming off of St. Elmo's Fire, came in and wanted to make the whole thing sexier. Well, it, yeah, and he did. And did he I ever. I don't know if it was effective necessarily, <laughs> but there was some – some sexy, uh, sex, some sexy sex happening to the, uh, to the music. What is that called? Sexy sex happening to the music. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the kind, that kind of 80s music, the synth- synthesizing, synth- synthesizers. <laughs> Where it sounds like. There's a big sexy between Jason Patrick and Jamie Gertz, you know, uh, what, what, Cry Little Sister, I think is the song that, I don't that's know. playing, you know, kind of like a gothy new wave, yeah, uh, it's weird vibe. I think that's when I was like, sorry, Craig, this is not what I remember. So it's almost like half Goonies, half Fatal Attraction or, yeah. or something like that, or nine and a half weeks, you know, it, there's like a sexy thriller element of it. And then there's a kids adventure Spielbergian thing happening in it. And I don't know that it always, maintains that disconnect sure. and definitely like Bernard Hughes is the grandpa is, you know, much broader, goofier <laughs> character, you know? Um, well, let's go chronologically through the movie a little bit with a segment that we like to call Carla's quotes. She's feeling her oats and Craig's taking notes. Whatever they are, it's Carla's quotes. Okay. So this came out in 1987. I was getting ready to go to college. So, like, this came out the end of the summer of 1987, so I was probably, like, packing up for my freshman year at William & Mary. I remember, like, friends of mine going to see this and everything. I think I was just kind of mentally focused, busy. focused on other stuff. On. Yeah. And I think already I was probably too snobby to see this movie. Uh, had it been, like, two years earlier, I probably would have gone to see it, I think. But then the fact that I've just never encountered it in 33 years since just feels a little weird. Mm -hmm. So it did feel like just being transported into like full on it. This is among the top 10 eighties. I don't, I don't, not saying it's one of the 10 best movies of the eighties. I'm saying this is of the eighties ish, uh, the most eighties movies is in the top 10. (laughs) Okay. I don't know if that's true. Really? But what do you consider the most eighties movie? Oh God. 
Mannequin. (laughs) (laughs) I've never seen that. Hello again. I've never seen that. Big business. Never seen it. (laughs) (laughs) E.T. is pretty 80s. That's pretty 80s. But that's, uh, that's also evergreen, I think. You know, movies that kind of made sense at the time, but don't really make mm-hmm. sense now. Um, I also was like, in reading about it uh, on Wikipedia, it was listed as like a horror comedy. I'm like, is it a comedy? Yeah. You think so? I laughed. I mean, there's definitely intentional laughs in it. Yeah. I mean, there's funny moments, but I, I don't know if I would describe the movie overall as a comedy. But it, it definitely feels like a genre blurring it movie. is, yeah. I don't. I wouldn't. I also wouldn't consider it a drama. I guess not. Yeah. It's almost like a Joel Schumacher film, which is like a genre unto itself. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say the the problems with this are more just like story. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that I buy the whole half vampire thing. Like that feels awfully convenient, right? Yeah. Okay. I guess we have to do that with this movie. <laughs> I don't know. It's just like I – there's a lot wrong with this movie, but it's so much fun. (laughs) Who cares? (laughs) I just don't – I just don't know, you know. Why does it work for you? Um, Well, there's a lot of nostalgia, I guess. Yeah. And, yeah, it just feels like looking into a time capsule. And I think that it's totally fair to say that you didn't enjoy it, but I also really liked it. <laughs> so, and I don't, I'm not, I'm not going to be able to like sit here and talk through um, the parts where it's unreasonable because that's just what it is. <laughs> it's a movie about vampires. Like, I don't know what to say. <laughs> the tone is all over the place. A hundred percent. You're not wrong. No, I didn't say I didn't enjoy it. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm just bringing up uh, a point that it's just, it's kind of like all over the place, logic wise. I mean, we're I watching think. Hocus Pocus tonight, so <laughs> <laughs> that's going to be tough for you. <laughs> now, here's something interesting. You, you mentioned the things you remembered and the things you didn't remember. The town that they are set in, it was shot in Santa Cruz, but the town, the fictional yeah. town that the movie is set in is Santa Carla. No memory of that at all. <laughs> You would think, and I said to you, you'd think as a kid that would register. And you said, I was kind of a dumb kid, though. (laughs) Yeah, I I had no memory of that at all. So. uh, And you said this is the same town that um, us. Yeah, that that boardwalk, that amusement park is the Santa Cruz boardwalk, which looks incredible. Like, that's a, a ginormous roller coaster. Uh, so yeah, those, the us is all based around that as, as well. So those are two pretty prominent movies that have, that have shot there. I want to watch us again, but we just watched it. I don't know. I've, I've seen it like three times, I think already. We talked about it already too, didn't we? Well, we did a little bit in our best of the year yeah. thing. Yeah. So Corey Haim, uh, and his brother, Jason Patrick, uh, they're the Emersons and they're moving in with their grandpa. Uh, and their mom, who's Diane Weist, uh, to this town that's the murder capital of the world or the murder capital of the U.S. Yeah. I don't know. Um, and there's gangs of, uh, teenagers roaming around with feathered hair and 
and yeah. leather jackets, yeah. and uh, they're headed up by Kiefer Sutherland yes. as David, as the the head of the Lost Boys. And I mean, I definitely did see and love Stand by Me, which I think came out a year or two before this. And Kiefer Sutherland's a pretty great villain. Mm-hmm. He is. And he and Jason Patrick are kind of having a method acting off at each other <laughs> as well. Like it's almost just like who's more tortured and uh, it's so mumbly. weird. Yeah, I think it works for Kiefer Sutherland because he's a vampire, but it's really weird that Jason Patrick is just like sulking around, staring at everyone. <laughs> yeah, I mean he doesn't feel too much like a teen either. No. You know, I don't know how old he actually was, but he feels like. A guy in his twenties, which is probably what he was. Right. I do think Jason Patrick is is a good, compelling actor. Sure. Though, uh, and then Jamie Gertz is the love interest, and she is also a half vampire, right? She's a half vampire. Yeah. She's never sucked uh, blood off of a human. Correct. So yeah. So if you drink the blood of a vampire, you can become a half vampire, which means I think you can fly. You um, fly a little bit. You float a little bit, definitely. But you don't become a full vampire until you do your first kill. So that, to me, I don't know. I'm not saying it's realistic, because obviously it's not, but the logic holds up for me. Okay. Right. <laughs> they go to some, like, apocalyptic uh, rock concert party, and there's oh. a shirtless sax man It's playing. so weird. If you can just... Okay, audience. If you can just watch that one scene, it is the strangest... <laughs> Most hilarious. He's all oiled up. It's he's he couldn't be. This is I don't want to say somebody's not attractive because that's not my place to say. But just the circumstances surrounding this concert and the way that this man is performing is so the opposite of what I think of as sexy. And yet it seems like everybody in the audience thinks that this is the sexiest thing they've ever seen. Carlos said it's he man. Why would people in the eighties think this is sexy? <laughs> Yep. At one point, you see a poster of Rob Lowe, and Carla said, is that a poster of Rob Lowe? Well, it's strange because they are just moving in with their grandparents, and Corey Haim puts up a poster of Rob Lowe (laughs) on his closet. Hey! I was very confused. Who knows where his proclivities lie, right? Well, for sure, yeah. But, like, well, obviously, yes. Okay, fine. (laughs) (laughs) My point is, it just seems like a strange choice if you're going to decorate your room that the one poster you would put up is of Rob Lowe. <laughs> now, I, Rob Lowe was just coming off of St. Elmo's Fire with Joel Schumacher, maybe. So maybe they was put up as an inside joke or, or whatever. Yeah. But it's always weird of just like, well, like the Corey's probably hung with him a little bit. So this mm-hmm. is a world where Rob Lowe exists. Right. Um, but Corey Feldman does not. Right. Right. <laughs> um. I like that David's superpowers, he can make Chinese food look gross. Um, yeah. Uh, which, what we do in the shadows directly references yes. uh, that moment uh, to, to pretty funny effect. Here's what you said about 45 minutes in. This movie is so bad, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't, yeah. That was the whole, like, Jason Patrick fueling the whole storyline in the movie. And I was like, oh, no, this is not... <laughs> At all what I remember. There's that scene where they're dangling from the train tracks, kind of playing chicken, you know. <laughs> and Carly said, this is kind of stressful. <laughs> I'll, I'll say this. Like, um, I mean, I don't think Joel Schumacher is a great director necessarily. But it, this is a studio film with a lot of money behind it. The 
the composer is Thomas Newman. Mm-hmm. The production designer is Bo Welch. The cinematographer is Michael Chapman, mm-hmm. who did Raging Bull. Right. Like, he's one of the most famous cinematographers of all time. And it looks incredible. Yeah, There's a shot. It's the shot where they attack the people on the beach where they're all hanging yeah. in the tree. It like, that's really cool. That looks like a fucking Terrence Malick movie. It's yeah. one of the best shots I've ever seen. <laughs> it's like, so good. It's, 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 and it's scary. Creepy. It's creepy. It's creepy. It's it's a very well made movie. Yes. Um like it doesn't look cheap or cheesy. You know, the yeah. money is up there and it looks good. Yeah. I also think the technology at the time, they can't do too much with flying, right? Right. You know. So they have the scene where Jason Patrick's kind of flo- discovering his powers for the first <laughs> time, kind funny. of floating outside. And they've got kind of the fight between Kiefer and Jason Patrick at the end. But I feel like they get around the lack of technology because they do a lot of crane shots and helicopter shots and With point of view running. stuff. Yeah. And I feel like it works. I do too. I love that. I thought that was really cool because, yeah, it's scarier to not see them fly. Uh feels like spilling a carton of milk is an 80s trope. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and definitely singing Ain't Got a Home by Clarence Frogman Henry is an 80s trope as Who well. Who did that? I don't remember that. Well, Daniel Stern does it in Diner, which oh. we, of course, we watch for Craigslist. Of course. You know, which is that, I ain't got a home. I ain't got a mother. I have no idea. Well, Corey Ames <laughs> sings it in the bathtub in this. Okay. Um, Corey Feldman has a lot of laugh lines in this when he was like, or it's your funeral. And Carla said, I love Corey Feldman so much. <laughs> I do. So let's talk about Corey Feldman for a second. Okay. I feel like Corey Feldman does the sarcastic friend maybe better than anybody else. And was he a trailblazer for this trope? <laughs> I think he was. Because, like, Jonah Hill definitely, you know, tried to pick up that torch uh-huh. at a certain point. Um, maybe has gotten further in his career than Corey Feldman had the opportunity to. But, like... He's commenting on everything, but it's so funny. And he does that in all of the movies that he's in. <laughs> and it doesn't bug me. I really like it. <laughs> I'll agree. Uh, Corey Feldman, the quintessential sarcastic best friend. Yeah. Uh, here's some other 80s thing, 80s quotes from Carla. Oh, look at that Swatch watch hanging in the back. I want one of those. I miss it so much. I had one. One of those giant ones that you put on the wall. <laughs> When they make out to goths, Carla said, this is so 80s. It's like an 80s music video. Is there anything less sexy than this? (laughs) I feel like Kiefer Sutherland is not going to be happy when when he sees you did his girl. (laughs) I want that shirt so bad. How does he have so much great clothing? You're talking about Corey Haim. Corey Haim has amazing clothing in this movie. (laughs) It's so good. (laughs) It's so good. Okay, here is one thing I didn't understand. And now you can give me a hard time about it. Okay. Why did Kiefer Sutherland want Jason Patrick to be a vampire? I don't know. <laughs> I didn't understand it. He's the se- he's the sexy new guy in town. So yeah. Kiefer kind of eyes him. And he's just like, hey, we need to up the sexiness. I've got a lot of blondes. Oh, but he I wanted- need a brunette. But wait, he wanted – but he – but then we find out that he wanted – the woman, Jamie Gertz, whatever her name was, 
to kill him. I think that's his original plan is to get Jamie Gertz to kill Jason Patrick. And so instead, she, she becomes a full vampire. Instead, they half vampire him. So now he's got two halves floating around when he wanted one full. He just, Kiefer Sutherland for like a guy, a cool guy who seems like he's got it together just doesn't have very good judgment. Well, I guess we discover later he's not the head vampire. Right. Right. So maybe he's not calling the shots. Right. At the end, by the way, the head vampire is Edward Herman. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so. Which is so good though. It's a pretty great reveal, I yeah. think, because they tested him during his date scene with mom earlier, and, and he passed all he the vampire the, tests. Yeah, which is so great. <laughs> and then when he gets into his logic in his speech at the end, I don't know that I bought his logic either. Well, he saw I, – see, that I kind of did because he sees Diane Weist and he's like, I want her. But the only – because he needs a mother for his lost boys. He says that. Okay. And he like can tell she's a good mom, so he wants her. But he knows that she he can't convince her to be a vampire unless her boys are a vampire, and that's why he has Cooper <laughs> Sutherland go after Jason Patrick. Uh-huh. But all we needed was a conversation somewhere between Kiefer Sutherland and him, so that we understood that. But then that would have given away the big surprise, which was that he's the head vampire. Sure. Sure. And it's it's worth it for the surprise. So maybe they needed another pass on the script by someone. Okay. So you're, <laughs> you're coming around to my way of thinking on this. But I wouldn't change a thing. <laughs> <laughs> Even the terrible, sexy crap. Okay. The, the Lost Boys, Carla admits the Lost Boys script is not immaculate, <laughs> but she wouldn't change a single moment. Some movies are just fun, Craig. That's all. Sometimes they're just fun. And this one for the first 45 minutes was terrible. And then it just kicks in and you're like, this is the ride of my life. (laughs) This is what every Halloween movie should be. At one point, this must be a Kiefer Sutherland line. He says, but you must feed. And and Carla was holding Benny, our dog at the time. And and she said, that's right, Benny, you must feed. (laughs) But I said it with vocal fry. She said it with vocal fry. Did not sound like that. Um, and then later you say, you see how grandpa was just putting stakes in the ground. I feel like grandpa knows what's going on. Yeah. And he does. And, and then all that stuff of him kind of checking, checking out Edward Herman at that first dinner thing really pays off. It does. Too. Yeah. Um, Alex Winter, by the way, is one of the lost he boys. Is. You know, so if you think he's only done Bill and Ted, you're wrong. You're- ignorant if you think that. yeah <laughs> and he's the first one that they kill off yeah. too he is like the most 80s looking out of all of them with long hair yeah don't you think yeah uh and i love the image of them hanging upside down sleeping so in their cool. cave uh and then after they kill alex, alex winter carla said they just went straight back to sleep after their friend got killed they did all the vampires just went straight back to sleep uh Carla said, how did they get in? They weren't invited. But that actually gets uh, explained in this, right? How did they explain it? Well, I guess you can come in without being invited. You just can't control people's minds. Uh, But because they invited Edward Herman in, he was able to fool their minds into believing he was eating food or something. I don't know. Right, 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 right. Also, by the way, garlic that's in a bulb still does not have a smell. That's what I thought, too. <laughs> but it's still fun. It's yeah. visually Sure, it's fun. I mean, that's the kids' movie stuff is yeah. like Corey Haim stocking up on the, on the garlic. Yeah. Right? Or taking the canteens to the church and filling them up with holy water. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, 
Bernard Hughes as grandpa gets the, the final line of the movie. Only thing about living in Santa Carla, I could never stomach. Oh, the damn vampires. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to say it's, it's up there. I mean, it, maybe it's not Louis. It's the beginning of a beautiful friendship, <laughs> but it's up there of a great it's last one. And then their reactions, Diane Weist <laughs> and the two kids are like, what? <laughs> Credits roll. Carla says, yes. Oh God, that was so good. <laughs> It was a real journey for me. There are some movies that are just going to hit me in that sweet spot. And uh, I can't defend them, you know, how terrible they might be. (laughs) Obviously, I had no specific nostalgia for this movie, having never seen it. But it did kind of give me nostalgia for just the vibe of the 80s movies in general and how much you just rolled with whatever the fuck was happening. Yeah. And didn't think too deeply about it. Yeah. You know. There is a movie that we watched that's in our next section mm-hmm. of films that I'm excited to talk about now because I hated it. <laughs> and it's a nostalgia film for a lot of people. Clearly from the way people are recommending it. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So anyways. We, okay. But that's a teaser. For that's a teaser <laughs> for our next segment. Uh, okay, great. So that's our first vampire movie. We spent probably the bulk of this podcast talking about The Lost Boys, but it feels like it was worth it. I loved it. I enjoyed it so much. The next movie we watched came out, I think, in 2014, and it's called A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. Yes. And this is a, an independent movie uh, that I think played Sundance at other film festivals. It's by uh, a young uh, director named Anna Lily Am- Amirpour. Uh, and she's an Iranian American. It was all shot in California, but it's supposed to be in kind of like a mythological Iran. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's kind of based on a, a young woman in a, uh, a traditional shador, mm-hmm. uh, you know, full body black, uh, robe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's a vampire going to walk around this town and killing evil men. Yeah. Uh, and then that we also have our hero as well, which, what was his name? I don't remember. <laughs> Sorry, I don't take notes. But this is a very kind of moody black and white film. I mean, it, it is exactly what it is, which is, it's kind of a calling card feature by a, a talented young director, mm-hmm. you know, uh, that gets the most out of a limited budget. And is a little more, I mean, Lost Boys is definitely style over substance. I yeah. think this also felt a little style over substance to me mm-hmm. because it's kind of very moody. Feels a little like a Jim Jarmusch, uh, Lynchian in, in places mm-hmm. too. Uh, but what, what did you think? Well, I was hesitant to see it because it, I thought it was going to be a lot like Let the Right One In which I think is a great film, but makes me feel sick and sad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I was like, oh, after coming off of Lost Boys, do I want to feel sick and sad watching a vampire movie? But I was interested because it was a female filmmaker. Anyways, I loved it. Wow. I was blown away. I mean, I told you that, so don't be surprised. Don't be yeah. surprised. <laughs> uh, I really, I actually don't, I disagree. I don't think it was style over substance. I thought it was, I had a lot of substance and... Maybe one of the more romantic scenes that I've seen in a long time between the female vampire and the lead man. 
she's referred to in the credits as just the girl. The girl. Uh, his name is Arash. Uh, so Arash is like this young guy. He has a father who's addicted to heroin and he's kind of like in trouble with the father's drug dealer who's also like a pimp and is just kind of like this gross sleazy guy mm-hmm. who, uh, who takes his like immaculate like hot 50s, you know, Cadillac or whatever he's driving from him. Yeah. Um, there's very few characters in this. There's also very little dialogue yeah. in this movie. I mean, visually, it's really stunning and surprising. Great, great black and white cinematography. Yeah, it's pretty. I mean, I'm not even um, a student of that type of filmmaking or super interested in that type of filmmaking, but I was really – it almost reminded me of um, Roma a little bit in terms of just leaving the camera there. And like, you know, from a distance and letting a whole scene play out in the frame. Yeah, I think for me, I mean, and this is going to sound weird coming from me. For me, it was a little slow and it just didn't feel like there was a lot of narrative thrust to it. That's why I, I mean, your point taken about maybe it's not style over substance, but it's definitely mood over substance. It's, it's a mood moody, film. But it's also a revenge pick, which I think is really interesting and it's a woman who's basically going after men and like punishing them for treating people poorly. And I guess in the realm of that, uh, you know, the drug dealer character gets killed off pretty early in the movie. Yeah. We're going to spoil this too. Yeah. We're spoiling a girl walks home alone at night. <laughs> uh, so to me that, that took a lot of the narrative tension out of it or, why can't there be more kills then? I'm thinking again in terms like we're watching a month of horror movies. This probably is not really a horror movie. It's a vampire romance western. I don't know. I was I didn't know for a while if she was specifically just going after men who were doing wrong things. So and also like she brings this man back to her home, the, the lead guy. That she finds on the street who's like fucked up on ecstasy or whatever. And like the romantic scene, she puts on this record and she's not facing him. And he walks up really slowly behind her while this music is playing. And I thought she could turn around and just kill him. Yeah. We've already seen her brutalize the other guy. So we know that's a possibility. Yeah. And so I don't know. I I was I thought it was very the in terms of tension, I thought it did a great job of like keeping me on the edge of my seat. I guess it ends up being a romance, yeah. basically. So Arash and the girl end up falling in love despite their differences. He's a human, she's a vampire. <laughs> right. Um, but they do it with very little talk, so it's a lot of just kind of like glances. And they just have a vibe. They're vibing on each other. They're vibing on each other. There's a psychic understanding between mm-hmm. them. But I guess like that's the tension for most of the movie of like, is she going to kill him? Right. Um, to me, it's when she, there's a little boy in the movie and she takes him aside and uh, she like – She follows him for blocks, first of all, yes. which is terrifying. Yeah. And she makes him promise that he's going to be good. Yeah. I think. So I, to me, like, that's the indication of like, uh, you fuck up. I'm going to eat you. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Well, she, well, she was like, are you a good boy? And he's like, yes. And she's like, liar. Are you a good boy? <laughs> it's really scary. And then, yeah. And then she tells him that he needs to be a good boy because she's going to follow him for the rest of his life. <laughs> I mean, in terms of imagery, uh, she's just, she's just a great character. Yeah. And, she also gets a skate, but she gets the kid's skateboard, right? Or yeah. is it? She, 
She or is it the drug dealer skateboard? No, it's the kid's skateboard. Kid skateboard. And then so seeing this you know, vampire in a shadow <laughs> Uh, skating down the street is it's just really cool. Is really cool. Yeah. And apparently, Anna Lily Amirpour, uh, is this, is the skater in real life and she did the long shots. That's her. Oh, wow. Doing that. Um, there's also, I gotta say, one of the all time great movie cats in this movie. Yes. I love that cat. And I don't know if it was a stray or a change, a trained cat or whatever, but apparently they did not plan for the cat to be a major part of the movie, but he was so charismatic That's <laughs> that they great. ended up using him a lot. I love that. And also, that also was building tension because I, every scene the cat was in, I was like, is the cat going to die? <laughs> Even when he's not with a vampire, because like the, the dad is on drugs and is screaming at the cat. And I was like, oh no, this cat's going to die. I think that's a major deduction for movies for both of us when the animal gets harmed. Yeah. And that happened in the movie we watched today. Yeah. And that probably was one of the main things that turned you off of that movie. So many teasers for the next episode, Craig. Oh, we can't reveal them all. But the beginning of the movie is Arash is picking up the cat off the street. And this is before Carla knows the plot of the movie at all. She said, oh, man, he's going to eat that cat. (laughs) I thought he was a vampire. He's not a vampire. I didn't know. (laughs) (laughs) And then so we kind of follow him down the street street you know we're, we're in black and white you know there's kind of jangly guitar playing it's very moody and carly said i can tell already this film might be too cool for me <laughs> it is a very cool film but it turns out you were cool enough i was for this movie you were on its wavelength and i <laughs> yes. maybe w- was not um i mean it's black and white it's subtitled it's a genre picture and it's an art film so yeah. like that there's a, a lot of degrees of separation from your typical horror movie right there um there's also a uh, a prostitute uh character in the movie who the uh the pimp harasses and carla said i hope she's the vampire i hope she bites his finger off because he put his finger in her mouth yeah. right uh and then you said uh-oh i hope she bites his pee-pee off because she yeah. she gives him a bj yeah um <laughs> <laughs> and then when he gets abusive, Carla said he needs to die now. And then he did. And she bites his finger off later. The girl yeah, does. And Carla said, well, you deserve it, buddy. Yeah. That's that's another thing, too. Like, it's clear that she's a vampire, but it's not clear that everybody else is or isn't a vampire for the first 20 minutes or so. Right. When she torments the boy, you said, I thought she was a good vampire. <laughs> Um, and then there's a whole thing with the father, uh, who's heroin addicted, uh, and then also gets abusive later. Uh, but Carla said, so glad I never did drugs. Everything was hard enough already. (laughs) Actually, you might've been talking about the ecstasy scene. Yeah, I think that's what it was. Uh, like that was never really a thing for you. No. (laughs) Either. Just being like a young person in your twenties. With anxiety. And dealing with like social issues is hard enough. Yeah. Um, when she, pu- and so Arash is tripping on X and then she kind of pushes him home on the skateboard and Carla said, ha ah, ha cute. <laughs> it is cute. This is so romantic was another. That was the scene. The quote. music scene. Um, he pierces her ears. Like that was another very yes, romantic it's scene. so romantic. And he pierces her ears with a safety pin and she reacts and she turns and she hisses. <laughs> Right? Yeah. It's so cool, but he still doesn't know that she's a vampire. Because the the little blood, her own blood, you know, or yeah. whatever gets pricked yeah. a little bit. That's enough to, like, trigger her vampire. Oh, I thought it was just the pain of it. Instinct. 
I was thinking it was blood, but maybe not. Maybe she doesn't have blood. She's a vampire. I don't know. I don't know vampire. I don't know vampires. I don't know vampires. I. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so I guess we won't spoil the the total ending. It's you know it's a little bit of an ambiguous ending, but it's also it to- romantic. It totally reminded me of the graduate ending. Oh yeah. Yeah, where they're sure. Yeah, and remember when we did that on this podcast, and Janie and I had totally different interpretations of the ending of that film. Yes, and I think I'm I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still pretty sure I'm right. Okay. I just heard somebody else talking about it the other day, and they said the same thing I did. Well, we'll settle that someday. <laughs> so it sounds like this is a high recommendation from Carla. Yeah, I thought it was awesome. Yeah. It was really – yeah. Top top five that we've watched so far. Oh, wow. Maybe top three. And she's since directed a lot of TV shows like Legion and Twilight Zone, the Jordan Peele show. And she did another feature called The Bad Batch, which I really didn't care for. You don't um, need to say that. <laughs> Why end on a negative note? <laughs> We're not even talking about that film. <laughs> but I mean, clearly a very talented uh, visual filmmaker and excited to see what she does next. Yep. Uh, and then the third film we did, we, we just went comedy for this one, Carla. Yeah, we did. But it couldn't be more of a vampire movie. Oh, it's so good. Uh, so we watched What We Did in the Shadows. What We Do in the Shadows. Yeah, What We Do in the... We did. What We Did in the Shadows. What We Did in the Shadows, but we watched What We Do in the Shadows. Yes. And this is a comedy co-directed by Jermaine Clement and Taika Waititi. Uh, they had made a short film, I think, like nine years before this. I mean, this is clearly like... Something that they believe in strongly comedically because they've since adopted it into two different TV shows. Yeah. Um, obviously you're familiar with the, what we do in the shadows that it's on FX where it has all new characters, but the same premise, but it also exists in the same world as these characters. Also, I didn't realize this, that they also in New Zealand have a show called Wellington Paranormal, which oh. follows the two cops from the movie. Oh, how great. Who are kind of fun side characters yeah. in this. So, uh, Carla, this movie is hilarious. Do we have anything more to say than that? It's really funny. It's probably the third or fourth time I've seen it, and I just wanted a palate cleanser. Yes. Did it suffice? Yes. It was really fun. And what about it? I don't know. All the it's it's fun to go back. And, I think I saw it the last time was last year. I downloaded it for one of the plane trips that we took. Um, but it's fun to watch it after having watched the TV show. And to kind of see the same kind of character, but played by different people. So, yeah. So, like, the familiar in the movie is this woman. Who, yeah, she's great. She's so great. Uh, and then it's Guillermo in the TV and show. And it's Guillermo, and he's equally wonderful. But it's just, like, a fun – it's it's almost like if you were like, okay, I can't have the same – there can't be uh, two moms in one movie. So these are the different types of moms I would put in different things. Like that's what you get with this versus a TV show is like, here's this type, you know, like the werewolves or whatever. Yeah. What am I saying? <laughs> well, I think the movie is, you know, around an hour 35 or, or whatever. Yeah. And it's, it plays so many great games in, you know, improv 
or sketch parlance mm-hmm. um, with the trope of vampires as roommates. Yes, you know? exactly. Like that's – I mean the basic yeah. game is vampires are roommates. It's like if that's true, what else is true? Here yes. are all these other things that are true. So it's just an opportunity to see more of the true things in that world. And you can see the germ of everything that they've been more fully able to explore in the yes. TV show in the movie somewhere. Yeah. You know, like the trope of uh, – Viago's girlfriend is 95 years old because, you know, and he's, you know, whatever, he's 379. Uh, And so at the end, he's like, you know, I know people think this is like robbing the cradle, you know, I'm 379, she's 95. Uh, But then that's been explored on the TV show. They've been able to do so many more bits with familiars with Guillermo on the the show, you know. I love that the reveal in the movie of her being a mother with a husband. Yeah. Like, you think she's just she's this just, weird lady. She's living a normal life. And then he shows up at her house and her kids are there. <laughs> she's like, I want to be a vampire. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now, all of those – the three main vampires, uh, Viago, Vladislav, and Deacon, uh, did come back in, like, the Tribal Council episode of mm-hmm. What We Do in the Shadows where you had – all famous actors who have played. Right. It was like Danny Trejo and Evan Rachel Wood and mm-hmm. Tilda Swinton and Wesley Snipes, Blade himself, right. are all part of the Vampire Council on the show, which was really funny. Yeah. Uh, Vladislav, which is the Jemaine Clement character, is like the classic Dracula, mm-hmm. right? You know, which is like the Nandor on, on the TV show. Right. You know, I like. Uh, he's more of like a a stud though in the movie. Yeah, or he's more sex motivated, I guess. I think I read that they're all analogous to some type of uh, of famous vampire. So Peter, mm-hmm. which is the oldest vampire, who is like a classic Nosferatu, right, bald right. and with you know crazy like three thousand years old or whatever. And Deacon apparently is more like David from the Lost Boys. Uh, cause he does the, the noodle trick. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and he's kind of like gothy and angsty. Um, Vladislav is Dracula. Nick, who is the asshole that they turn into a vampire, yeah. is supposed to be like Edward from Twilight. <laughs> and Viago, which is Taika Watiti's character, is supposed to be more like Louis from Interview with the Vampire. Who's, which one's Louis? Louis is, well, Lestat is, Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise. So Louis Brad Pitt. Yeah. How is he supposed to be like Brad Pitt? I guess he's more just like a romantic figure from the 19th century. Like a nice guy. I see. Yeah. Okay. I'm on board now. Okay. Here's maybe my favorite bit of trivia about this movie. So um, the the one the the guy who ends up being the the regular human who kind of trails them around because he's Nick's buddy is yeah. Stu. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of like a central trope of like, uh, okay, don't eat Stu. You know, yeah. he's cool. He's cool. So funny. And even when they go to the, to the unholy masquerade at the end with all these different creatures, like, uh, everybody, you know, the zombies and everybody wants to eat Stu and they got to protect him. Stu Rutherford, who plays this role, is not an actor. He is Taika Titi's high school buddy who is actually in IT and he was hired to do computer consulting for the movie and was told he would have a bit part in it. He was not told he would be a major role. <laughs> and so, so all of his lines and reactions are just honest things that he's doing. Oh my God. And so literally like at the masquerade, he's like, yeah, I work in IT. <laughs> you know? That's so good. 
And apparently they wrote 150 pages of script, chose not to show it to a single person involved in the film, both crew and cast. This was to keep things spontaneous and to allow the actors to be surprised by the events unfolding before their eyes. That can't be true with the crew because there's a lot of elaborate shots in it. I don't know what their budget was, but the effects are really well done. I agree. Um, I mean, they certainly make the most of of what they got. (laughs) We, you know, we've had uh, some flies coming into our house. (laughs) It's very hot. It's very hot outside. So whenever we open the door, we always have flies coming in. Benny gets terrorized. Um, Benny is, he is not afraid of fireworks. He's not afraid of anything except for flies. Yes. And when I say afraid, he will cry. I've heard him cry and he'll hide in the corner <laughs> and shake. Uh, yes. And he goes, oh, it's so it's sad. pathetic. It's pathetic. <laughs> it's, it's very disappointing. It's so sad. Uh, but the, for a long time, we had a fly on the screen in the car that said, the fact that there's a fly on the screen is confusing because it seemed like it was very much part right. of the milieu <laughs> of the movie as well. Um, the times when they have like kind of a fight with each other and then they fly in each other's face and hiss at each other. Carla said, how fun. Yeah. This movie was also shot clearly in Wellington where we've been in mm-hmm. New Zealand. Mm-hmm. And it's also, it's just fun to see places that we walked around when we were in Wellington. And I think that's also like part of the joke for them as New Zealand filmmakers of just like, uh, this is just like a very normal, right. you know, kind of mundane <laughs> city with vampires in it. Uh, in the TV show, they've translated to Staten Island, which is also kind of yeah. weird and, and fun. And they shoot in Toronto, right? Yeah, the TV show gets shot in Toronto, I believe. Um, I don't really have any quotes for you for this movie. I think you just watched and yeah. laughed. Um, I gotta say, I think Reese Darby might be the world's funniest man. I mean, he's only has a small part in this as the head of the werewolves, but he's just somebody who just instantly makes he's me laugh. He's just so fun. He's just annoyed all the time. Yeah. You know? But, like, nice about it. He's earnest. Yeah. He's, like, annoyed with himself. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and we're werewolves, not swearwolves, I think is great. He's always trying to tell the werewolves <laughs> not to curse. <laughs> Why do you got to curse so much? <laughs> Okay, so we enjoyed that palate cleanser. Carla, do you want to give a letter grade to what we do in the shadows? It's an A. I think it's an A minus for me. Uh, I, I, I mean, I think it suffers from like the thing that other mockumentaries do, which mm-hmm. is just like, here's all the ideas that we have up there. I don't know if there's a lot of narrative momentum in it necessarily. Yeah, I, but I would watch it again. I'd watch it again today. So I'd give it an A. <laughs> Okay. How about uh, A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night? I'd give that an A. I'd, wow. I'd watch that again. It's a B for me. I don't know if I'd I watch think. it again today, but I would definitely watch it again. It's a little a little too slow and moody for me, but I think it's well done. It's a B. I thought it was really cool and really romantic and also scary, and I liked it a lot. And uh, what would you give The Lost Boys? I would give it an A minus. Oh wow! What's the minus for? The first forty minutes of the movie, <laughs> the, the the Jason Patrick stuff is not great. Well, it feels like for Khaki Theater that we should go to Santa Carla. Okay. <laughs> and so Diane Weist works at a video store, right? Yeah, is, is that right? 
I think that's right. I think she does. She works for Max Edward Herman at the video store. Well, at least in my scene, she's going to. Okay, can I be Diane Weist? Yes. Oh, shit, I wanted to be Diane Weist. <laughs> so, uh, you know, she's been through this whole thing, like dating this guy. It turned out to be a vampire. You know, it's a few months later. We're in Santa Carla. She's working at the video store. She still works at the video store, even though yes. she's dead. Okay. Yes, she does. It passed on to new ownership, uh, non-vampire ownership, Great. who's very, very benign. Great. Excuse me, are you open? Oh, hi, yes. Oh, yes, please. Um, well, we're technically not open, but... Well, it's night, it's night. But please, if you if you think that you're going to purchase something, then yes, please. Are you do, you're doing inventory? Um, yeah, you could say that. I'm also uh, daydreaming a little bit. Aha, yes, yes. I can make dreams appear in your head. I'm sorry, where are you? I I love your accent. Hungary. Hungary. Oh, I've never been. I've actually I've never been out of the country. Oh, really? Really? It's it's very nice here. What do you what do you call this town? Uh, this is Santa Carla. Santa Carla, very memorable. Um, if you say so. I like the name Carla. Um, I don't know any Carlas. Uh, so I'm looking for a scary movie. Something that's spooky. Okay, well, there's Young Frankenstein. Uh huh. Which is about a monster. Okay, that's a. It looks a little more like a comedy. Well, it is, but there, you know, it's about a monster, so it's a little scary. <laughs> um, there is this other movie. Uh, oh wait, this is Mel Brooks. This is Dracula Dead and Loving It. I don't like this guy. This is Dracula Dead and Loving It. No, 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 no. And then, um, have you ever heard of Hannah and her sisters? Hannah and her sisters. <laughs> I'm willing to check it out. Um, it's about it's about women uh, yelling at each other a lot, and um, apparently the director is a monster. Oh. <laughs> like uh, like a Frankenstein monster? Yeah, your guess is as good as mine. Okay, okay, yes, yes. I will check out this Hannah and her sisters. Ah, this Diane Weist looks <laughs> looks adorable. Well, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, we exist in a world where Rob Lowe and Diane Weist exist. (laughs) I partied with Rob Lowe last night, and I did so much ecstasy, but it was fun. Boy, you've got a cool mom vibe going on. I'm assuming you're a mom. Do you have uh, children? I do. I have several children. How many is several? In this world. (laughs) I have two children. Okay, I mean, just say two. I think several <laughs> makes it sound like you're, you know, you're you're Amy Comey Barrett. <laughs> Carla, that's vampires. Uh, I thought I had a better Diane Weist. <laughs> <laughs> Is that why you claimed her? Yeah, but it didn't come out. It came out too. I thought it was Weisty. It came out too vocal fry. <laughs> You leaned into the vocal fry. I did. Diane Weist, uh, you're older than Diane Weist was in uh, Lost Boys. Great. That's so depressing. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> How many more of these we have to do? <laughs> Carla, what genre should we move on to next? Um, Let's do witches. Witches? Witches be crazy. Yeah. Uh, We've wh- already done two. <laughs> well, I guess we were, yes. 
full disclosure, we've already watched two witch movies, so I guess we got to watch a third, Rule of Threes, yeah. right? And please, Craig's listeners, keep tuning in for more spooky times as we cackle along with some famous movie witches. And if you can, leave us a review on iTunes. <laughs> Particularly our vocal qualities. <laughs> <laughs> if there's anything about the timbre of our voice you want to comment on, tell me please how do much so. you like me uh, on a scale of one to one. Do we need to hold rallies, Carla, for you to just feel better about yourself? <laughs> Clearly, we're going to social distance, but uh, we're going we're to be holding a public rally. Never uh, read the reviews. Trump doesn't read the reviews. He definitely does. <laughs> the list is an absolute good. The list. Is life.